BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Turbocharge your customer experience results with Nice CX-1. Now you can rapidly scale extraordinary CX with the power of the cloud. Nice CX-1 is the most complete customer experience cloud platform and is trusted by thousands of organizations around the globe. With CX-1, you can deliver frictionless self-service as well as top-notch digital and agent-assisted interactions. Get cloud-powered CX at scale. Learn more at nice.com. That's nice.com. Hi, it's Jack O'Brien for HealthAid Kombucha. Uh, This bubbly probiotic tea blended with real fruit juice is deliciously thirst-quenching, great for your gut health. HealthAid Kombucha comes in many flavors, Pink Lady Apple, your passion fruit tangerine, uh, ginger lemon is one of my favorites. It's organic, a great alternative to sodas and other sugary drinks. You guys know I'm a big soda fan. Well, what if I told you there was a fizzy drink that instead of making you feel like you were drinking chemicals, it made your tummy feel good? That is Health Aid Kombucha. Look for the brown bottle with an anchor in your local stores. Give it a try today. Makes my dang tum tum feel good. So make Health Aid Kombucha your go to for a healthier, happier you. Hello, the internet, and welcome to this episode of the Weekly Zeitgeist. Uh, These are some of our favorite segments from this week, all edited together into one uh, nonstop infotainment laugh stravaganza. Uh, Yeah, so without further ado, here is the Weekly Zeitgeist. Anyways, Miles, yeah. mm-hmm. we are thrilled to be joined in our third seat by a hilarious stand-up comedian, actor, musician with the 7.4 rated album on Pitchfork to his Booyah! name. That's right. Uh, you can listen to his podcast, Cold Brew Got Me Like, anywhere fine podcasts or give it away for free. Uh, his new book, The Advice King Anthology, available anywhere Fine books are sold or given away for free at the library, you know. The poetry yeah, window is open because it's Chris motherfucking Crofton! Crofton! What's up? Good to see you guys. What's Good up, man? You, man. You, you, I noticed something about you. You look like you have your your fist over your chest, like you're doing half a Wakanda salute. But I'm Yeah, yeah. I broke my uh, scapula Thursday. I got what? an email from, or no, I sent an email saying, Hey, I would like to go back on the Daily Zeitgeist, and and uh, uh, I got an email back that said, "Hey, you, we were thinking about it on Tuesday," and I said, "Sure, uh, Wednesday. Today's Wednesday, I guess, in the podcast world." Yeah, but hello, uh, <laughs> podcast ruin every, ruin everything. <laughs> I've ruined everything. No. So anyway, 
when I Fuck sent that Chris. email, I, when I sent knows that we have to start the whole show over. <laughs> when um when this when I sent that email, I did not have a broken scapula. I had never even heard of a scapula. And then when I when I got when I confirmed, yeah, sure, I'll do it Tuesday. I was on like you know morphine, but I figured by <laughs> Tuesday I'd be all right. Uh, but I broke my scapula Thursday afternoon. Fuck man, and I broke my rib. Oh. And uh, so Nashville's been like this ice skating rink for a week, and now it just went away because it just got finally went up to like forty or fifty or whatever. Right. And so all the stuff melted. But for a week, I guess Nashville has like a couple snowplows. I mean, yeah. You mean like literally they, like two? Uh, as they in have a, a few, I guess. Yeah. But it was not cool. It was like everybody was falling down. My neighborhood was like a fucking circus. Like it was like the whole the street was an ice sheet for a week. So. People were trying to go to work and have to turn back. My neighbors, a guy, a drunk guy came down our street. Like, first of all, our street has got no sidewalks or anything. So, like, if you go off the street, you're in a lawn. Right. And so and so this my neighbors like I I was asleep because it was after I broke my scapula. So I was in bed, but I woke up. My roommate was like, that's right. I said roommate. Yeah. Uh, My roommate, (laughs) your buddy. My buddy. Yeah. yeah. My wife. <laughs> my mother. Uh, my beautiful wife was doing animation on the new Fast and Furious movie in the living room of my well-appointed Silver Lake. <laughs> P-J-Tare, wherever you pronounce that fucking. Your wife you're, does however animation on the new Fast and Furious movie? Whatever. She pays the bills. The so I was asleep. I was asleep. She pays the bills. I was right. I live right next to the Silver Lake Re- Re- Reservoir. Just gotten this note from Vin Diesel. I'm friends and... with Jimmy Kimmel. It's unbelievable. Right? <laughs> so me and Jimmy Kimmel were taking a nap in the same bed. And uh-huh. um, and my wife was animating Fast and Furious 12 or whatever it is. Yeah. And uh, no, okay, I'm going to go back to what's really happening. My roommate said that the next door neighbors, he's like, did you see what happened? And I was like, no, I was in there. And he said, oh, my God, this car came down the street, lost control, and went into my neighbor's yard, like it slid on the ice and landed in their yard. Wow. And then it was a drunk person too, even though it was the middle of the day. And um, yeah, because I always think drinking is nighttime thing. Right. But not for this guy. And so then while he was trying to get out of the yard, which he also couldn't get out of because it was ice too, and it's down in a gully, like our street's on kind of a hill. And like, it's a, it's just a very, you know, this was not an ideal piece of land for houses uh, when they put them in here. Mm-hmm. So the so this car this car like this smashing into the people who lives there he's trying to back up and stuff and he smashed into their car oh, and shit. then they eventually yeah. had to go out there and take his keys away from him and then oh, they gave no. him a blanket because it was so cold and they gave him oh. some water and then they and the police came and I guess the, I didn't see the police but they he said the police were very mean to the guy because he didn't speak English oh, so man. you know anyway Nashville is like needs more snowplows <laughs> on the double so if anybody out there in Daily Zeitgeist world has an extra snowplow you might yeah. want to call up the city city hall here bring it on down how's your rib how's your scapula that's what i'm I mean, concerned about i the thing is i've broken so many fucking bones that it's really just embarrassing like i was more embarrassed right. when i hit the hit the ground than anything else because i heard or i didn't hit the ground i hit the steps but i heard things crack so i knew yeah. Ugh, you're like that. it's something yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's something. It's, it's a, you know, and it's just like I, I, I haven't broken that much stuff. I mean, yeah, I have, but I haven't. I mean, I broke my hip in 2018, right? You know, roller mm-hmm. skating. 
you know, and everybody thinks that's funny, but you know, it's not funny. No, I'm only laughing. <laughs> no, it I is felt funny. Awkward. It's funny. Yeah. It's funny. That's LA's fault. That's because people in LA, grown people, go roller skating because they're reliving their childhood that they didn't get to have in Wisconsin because their mean dentist father never talked to them or whatever. Right. So they so move out to, to LA, LA and to start roller skating. Oh, I'm going to yeah. roller skate and wear crazy clothes now, even That's though right. I'm 40. So then. Look at how high these socks are. Yeah, yeah. exactly. At least crazy yeah. socks. I got them on the internet, you know? <laughs> and, uh,. uh <laughs> The anyway, Yeti so fuck I, film on there. So I broke, yeah. yeah, so I broke, I'm doing a Yeti fuck film. We're pitching it to Adult Swim. <laughs> it's going to be called Yeti fuck film, but we're going to censor it. We'll put stars instead of the fuck. You know, it's like going to be F and then three stars. Yeah. Nice. And I, yeah, I know somebody at Adult Swim. He's like a lower down guy, but. Um, <laughs> I know the guy put the roof on Adult Swim's, uh, he replaced the roof and he talked to one of the guys there, so. Didn't they switch buildings, though? Yeah, but he still got the guy's number. Yeah, well, he also, yeah, he's just, like, in the loop. You know what I mean? He's yeah, got, yeah, yeah, He's yeah. got the guy's number. I don't know how it's going to work, but it's pretty much all set. Yeah, I hear that. Yeah, it's all set. Um, So I fucking, I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore, but I, I <laughs> it was, like, the, 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 my roommate said the day it happened, my roommate's car got stuck in the middle of the road, and it was stuck, and he came running in, and he said, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And a car stuck in the middle of the road and someone doesn't come over the hills. We live over a hill. And he's like, somebody's going to run into my car. And I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah, I love jobs. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I like helping. So I was Super like, crafted. oh, shit. Yeah. I was standing barefoot in the kitchen eating a cold quesadilla. And I, I put on my sneakers. And he said the stairs are slippery. But that was the only thing I hold against them because the stairs were not slippery. They were impassable, unusable. Each one was a solid fucking piece of ice. So I went oh. outside and happily put my foot on the top step and immediately flew sent up, up yeah. in the air and landed in the air. Yeah. I realized, oh my God, I am 54 years old and hovering over a set of concrete <laughs> fucking steps and right. I am oh fucked. God, and so one step broke my rib and the other step broke my scapula, which is the piece on the back of your shoulder, the wing. And, you know, I didn't even feel the shoulder thing because the rib hurt so much. So I, my only thing was I actually thought I probably broke my back. So when I stood up, I was happy. Yeah. You're like, it's a miracle. It was I'm really lucky. Lost. I hadn't lost. spun. We a are little. glad. Yeah. That, that sounds like it could have been worse. Yeah. It's, yeah. It felt like the mundane way. To, I mean, you know, the, no yeah. one plans on getting paralyzed or, I mean, it's like, that's what it felt like. It felt like, oh, fuck. This, this is it. really dangerous. Like when yeah. I was when I was in the middle of slipping, I was like, oh, my fucking God. I mean, it's well, just yeah. like credit to you, man. I'm glad you're doing well. And also, I'm glad, you know, you listened to our email. where We said, get the fuck over it. You said you'd wanted to. You we're doing this yeah. show. You said so we're you doing wanted to be in the show. big time. That's what you yeah, said. More on that later. You want to be in the big time? You're going to slip big time. This is Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were a professional. <laughs> what the we'll fuck is this? We'll never talk to you again if you don't get on this Zoom. What do you mean something's broken? Like, I get it. I believe you. But, like, why are you telling me that? Yeah, yeah that what does that have to do with fucking to anything? Sounds like a YP, voice? baby. Yeah. Tell it to your personal assistant, you scumbag. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, man. So I have a GoFundMe anyway. If anybody, yeah. I already made the, I made the goal, though. And, and yeah. people from Daily Zeitgeist and you guys, whoever's in charge of your social media, retweeted my GoFundMe. Yeah. So I'm very yeah. grateful, as usual, to the Daily Zeitgeist community because, you know, they've just been a huge part of my life in the last 
three, four years. So it's like, gang. Yeah. Yeah. And a part really of theirs amazing and a part people. of ours, man. Yeah. Amazing I canceled people. my health insurance because I feel like I can just like reach out to them. if Just anything wing ever, it. You good know? idea. Like, that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. That's probably the, the best idea you've ever had. <laughs> yeah, your wife's, I'm sure your wife is an animator for one of the major movies. Yeah. Series, yeah. So. Yeah. Well, her work on working on the, the new Avengers. Five. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's a stunt coordinator for the new Avengers flick. Yeah, yeah, I know how Hollywood works. Kevin, what's his name? Feige. Yeah. yeah, he gives he gives us good health insurance. What is something from your search history that's revealing about who you are? Oh gosh, I don't really know if I like what this reveals about me. But Perfect. you know, when you get like really obsessed with something, and it's not even recent, it's not trending. Like, there's no reason why, but for all my search history for the last two days, just really wild deep dives on the 2019 film Cats, you know, the awful one with all the yeah. like CGI fur and, you know, all the superstars kind of crawling around on all fours. And I don't know why, but for some reason, like a specter just came back to haunt me. And I was like, today I need to like listen to an hour and a half YouTube video on the making of Cats, the movie 2019 and why it was a disaster. And so... <laughs> I'm not busy enough. I think it's a summer. I need more hobbies and I need more productive uses of my time. But I am now an encyclopedia on terrible CGI slash why you shouldn't try and make very weird Broadway musicals into films. Yeah. Right. I was immediately like trying to connect the dots. I was like, oh, well, I, I think I remember that they used AI technology to remove the cat assholes from... Like, was, was, right. wasn't that one of the things where it was about to come out and they did a test screening and everyone's like, they're uh, pink cat assholes are in our face the entire movie. Are, are we going to <laughs> just do that? Um, not, and nah. they went back and digitally removed them. But not yet. What, did, were you into the movie when it came out? Were you anticipating it or you just kind of have uh. it? So I love, I'm a dancer. So like, I love musicals. And like, you know, I was one of the only people that was like, unironically excited at the thought of a Cats musical. So I realized that's like, four people who like, actually would have wanted to see this. And then the trailer came out. And it was just so frightening. What it was a really good example of is like, in like AI and robotics, you have the term the uncanny valley, this might yes. be something you've heard of this idea right. of like, the closer something looks like to a human or to like a living creature. But like being different enough that you can tell like it's not quite human, like the creepier it is. And so this original robotics experiment, um, Masahito Mori, or the person who like writes this essay about this, uses the example of like a mechanical hand that moves and is like, that's super creepy. Like no one wants to see that. And all I could think of is this like essay from this <laughs> Japanese roboticist where I saw those cats, humans, things moving. And I was like, Mm -mm. it's going to be so bad. Like, right. no one wants to see this, whether or not the pink assholes are there or not, you know. Yeah. In the end, they just end up being all smoothed out, which is also awful. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yes, it was a kind of terrifying disappointment. Because, yeah, there's kind of a Streisand effect, I feel like, where people are like, but where are the assholes? You know what I mean? <laughs> and then people are like, well, we actually did like, mm, I don't know, might have been better with them. Have yeah. you... Speaking of cats and an interesting uh, sort of obsession with them, have you listened to your fellow compatriots podcast, Guy Montgomery and Tim Bats podcast called uh, My Week with Cats, where they keep watching cats over and over and talking about it? It's, no, but this sounds exactly up my street. Yeah, like, yeah, this yeah. Is all I'm now yeah, we've had to. them on the show. Guy is one of our favorite guests uh, and fellow Kiwi. And yeah, like he's just such an absurd podcast. You just keep revisiting cats over and over. Yeah. I mean, have you listened to the iconic Kiwi podcast, Who Shout on the Floor at My Wedding? 
It went I've, kind of viral. I still haven't listened to it yet, but that's also on my listening list. Yeah, that's one that I've heard many times be like, have you come on? And I, all the write-ups about it, too, were like, it's absolutely the most riveting thing that we've listened to this year is what I feel like most people say about that. That's amazing. So are you how many viewings deep are you of 2019 cats? Or is it just like you watched it once and then it's all YouTube like explainers? Oh, yeah, I watched it once. I don't know if I could do it again, to be honest. Like I did it once on like a transatlantic flight. And that was, you know, myself trapped in the metal tube had this moment with cats when I was like, oh, it is as bad as everyone said. And then now it's just extremely scathing movie reviews on YouTube and in print. So I'm like single-handedly keeping the movie YouTube review economy alive at this point. <laughs> <laughs> What's something you think is overrated? Authenticity. Mm. Mm. What do you mean? I'm over what are you it. saying here? Yeah. I'm over it. Just At first I was going to be specific and talk about like gray hairs and personal grooming. Mm-hmm. But then I realized mm-hmm. just in general, I'm over authenticity. Give a give us an example of how you are bucking the 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 scourge of authenticity. Okay. Number one, please take note of my attire today, folks at home. I am in flannel covered in eggs, banana, avocado, mm-hmm. and apple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did I was gonna say, wait, don't forget the apple, but yeah, okay. Yeah. The apple. Some of it from last yeah. week. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. I got snot stains on the sweatshirt I'm wearing right now. Now, I also have like all my grays peeking through, a little bit of sunburn on one side. (laughs) Sunburn on one side. (laughs) You don't want to know this. You've been breaking up the uh, parenting by being a long haul trucker. Yeah. Is that where the the left side (laughs) sunburn on one side is coming from? I'm just saying, I don't want to be fucking authentic. I don't want to be authentic. I want you at home just imagining. That I look fucking glamorous. Yeah. That my hair mm. is like blown out. My makeup is contoured and perfect. My Snapchat filter is like really how I look. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what that's, I'm saying? Right. That I'm like a Kim Kardashian mom that's just like <laughs> together. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> All the time, even 24/7. though I'm always on my banana phone. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Having long, like three hour long phone calls on your phone. Like, mommy's busy, mommy's busy. Anyway, Rafi, get back to me the tea. (laughs) We all know it's not true, but isn't it better? You know, I've already been on the show talking about how important lying is. Right. Mm -hmm. And this is really just part two of that. Just keep the lies going. You don't need to know how people are doing, really. Whenever people are like, how are you doing? Like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I'll tell you, look, I'll tell you if I'm doing bad. How about that? Otherwise, <laughs> yeah, right. let's just presume yeah. I'm balling out of control. Okay? I'm yeah. just out Easy. here just killing it, just slaying, just, yeah. you know, drinking Closing from deals. my Hydro Flask that should have been a Stanley. Okay, yeah, I did. Oh, we did gosh. clock that before you we started rolling. And I was like, oh, you came with this Stanley. And then you turned it around, set the record straight. It is a Hydro Flask, but it looks functionally exactly the same as a quencher. And you say you are not off the Stanley? You know, I screwed up. I should have (laughs) lied. Yeah. (laughs) This is the one area that we have to disagree. Authenticity is important. (laughs) Damn it. If it's a Stanley quencher or a hydroflat, it needs to be a Stanley, unfortunately, uh, for us to be okay. Well, because we're Gen Z. 
We're Gen Z. We're Gen Z. That's why. <laughs> did you not know? I forgot. It's don't like just very important. That's so us. fucking cringe. Like you don't even know your Gen Z, Zara. Like I'm on. so sorry. Oh my god. Did you try a Stanley though? I like, can't. For real though? Did yeah. you try a Stanley? You said you I tried, tried a Stanley, the right? Stanley. I didn't like it. Okay, so break it down. No, how you must not have been using it right. Yeah. <laughs> well, the like Stanley is narrower. Mm. Mm. Okay. And I was extra conscious of how it might tip over. Oh, it didn't feel stable. It like didn't feel the base... stable. Okay. I care about my center of gravity. Yeah. I also don't have as much collagen in any of my joints anymore. <laughs> Just kind of, things are wobbly. Yeah. Everything's wobbly. <laughs> yeah. Just thought you were a great dancer. That's true. I mean, it's narrow. So this might answer the question that I was asking yesterday, because I was like, okay, the Stanley being the size of a cup holder makes sense. Why do so many of my cups not fit into a cup holder? What are you mm. thinking? And it's for stability in non-cup holder situations, it would seem. Girth right? matters. Right, exactly. I like a good wide cup. Ooh. <laughs> Hold on. All what? the way down to the base. <laughs> right. All the Girth way matters the all the way down. Exactly. Take it all the way down. I mean, I you wonder... know what? This fits. This fits in everything. It, fits. it does? Yeah, it, looks it fits like, in my yeah. car. It fits in my vagina. I tried it. <laughs> a lot Still of got things it. fit Still in got there. it. <laughs> Every night, just making sure. <laughs> <laughs> I could put the baby back in. I probably could. I had a natural birth. We didn't talk about this last time. I don't think we did, no. I had a, I should say, vaginal birth. Yeah. That uh-huh. took wow. 20 minutes. Oh, that uh, we, we, uh, uh, we did talk uh, about it uh, off uh, mic, though, but I think we weren't we're prepared to be mic. like, yeah, 20, yo, shout out 20 to minutes. shout out to a quick 10 labor. pushes. Good for you, <laughs> man. My doctor asked me if I would like to do this professionally. <laughs> right. And they're also <laughs> and uh, uh, going to the bathroom with this uh, Stanley mug really quick. And let us know. Uh, that's the audition. <laughs> it was easy. You sure you haven't done this before? That was wow. I had no issue. Damn. Also, this fits in my vagina now. My Hydro Flask and Stanley. Boom, boom. Oh, man. You boom, Jack, you going to get a Stanley, though? You, you, you said you, you you're hearing. I'm thinking about uh, it. OK, it's. It's definitely uh, under. You under haven't heavy gotten it yet. You're just waiting for Hydroflask to be more popular. That's what <laughs> we. Our household has a Stanley in it. I am just not permitted to use it. Oh, or shit. look at it. But right, you know, it's we have one. We've invested in a Stanley, and now you know it just takes some time. You, whether we are a two Stanley household is just a thing that you, you kind of have to okay. have a conversation about with your loved yeah. ones. That's for every family. That's it for every family. Yeah. To decide. The Stanley also has a rim. What do you, do you mean? know how uh-huh. easy it is to wash this rimless hydro flask flat face? Oh yeah. That, that I like that. Mm. It's yeah. so easy to wash this. I just hold it under the sink and just, yeah, it's yeah, so yeah. easy to wash. No crevices. The Stanley, yeah. I have, you have to like, uh, yeah, yeah, we don't do have a little. Yeah, we don't have time for that. Do detailing. Yeah, I don't want to have to do detailing. That's what yeah, it I'm sounds like when I wash dishes. Uh, <laughs> same, same for me. Yeah, that's definitely my internal <laughs> monologue. Yeah, like, that's I annoying. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, uh, yeah. This, monologue. Yeah, I open like an old bottle, and I'm like, yeah. oh, ugh, what happened here? And then I'm like, uh, just clean it quickly. I do every household chore, like uh, Paul Rudd picking those things up in Wet Hot American Summer. 
Yeah, like, putting his utensils away. Exasperated in the zero <laughs> energy with every movement. Right. Uh, yeah, that's how I orgasm now. Yeah, that's how I orgasm now. Uh, <laughs> honey, was it good for you? Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Give me the Stanley. Just hand me the Stanley. That was good, even. Give me, me ten minutes. Hand me my phone. <laughs> Yeah, hand me, me my the ba- banana phone. Hand me my banana phone and my and my hydro flask. Let me get right real quick. <laughs> <laughs> get right with the Lord. Francesca, what's something you think is underrated though? Okay, so I have to correct something that I said last time, which was underrated not sleeping with your cat or your husband in bed. And uh, I realize I've uh, you know, it, it caused some pangs of panic. Nobody knew how to respond. Uh, put everyone on blast that, yes, sometimes, you know, we have to sleep in different beds so everyone gets a good night's sleep, even though yeah. I had a terrible night's sleep last night. So yeah, underrated is my loving, wonderful husband, the father of my daughter, Matt <laughs> Lieb, who is great, so who even though we sleep in different beds, we have a very robust, we have we have a perfect sex life, to quote Alan Dershowitz. And, uh, <laughs> and that is who you want to be quoting when you're talking you wanna, about your sex No, life. no, but, but, but just to say, look, it doesn't mean that you're going to get a divorce. It doesn't mean you don't love each other. Everyone should feel secure out there. Don't you hear the security in my voice? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, just Why is Matt crying in the background, though? Yeah, yeah. What's he just doing back there? Uh, yeah, Miles uh, and Jack were very, uh, they, uh, you guys are both awkward when I said we were like not sleeping in the same bed. You guys were both like, mm, mm. I did. but I'm here to say, said, I'm here to say that it's okay and that I love him no matter what. And <laughs> one day we're going to get mm. one of those king beds that are like actually know. separate. King shit. Yeah. Well, I don't like, know, Jack. This sounds like damage control to me, fam. <laughs> it 100% is. I'm it just out. cut out just... all the times I just kept saying, mmm, trouble in paradise? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, no, this is 100% damage control, uh, and it's directed at only Matt Lieb, so. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I need, uh, I definitely need my own blanket. Yeah. You know, I'm def I'm the the more I get to that that Scandinavian style, I was like, bro, you need your own blanket cuz the fights that occur over the blanket tussling, nah. Yeah. Occur? No. Yeah. Occur. Yeah. Wow. Especially cuz you're taller. <laughs> so and so that like That's my Hillary Clinton. <laughs> oh my god. Wow. <laughs> the fights that Oh, that occur you just said occur between occur. me and occur. Bill over the sheets. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I'm surprised she didn't do a tweet like that. She's like, you know, <laughs> despite what is occurring in Palestine, <laughs> it's like, oh, no, 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 no. Hillary, Hillary, Hillary. Put the Barbie down. Yeah, oh I, I think it's great. I've definitely <clears throat> taken some time to sleep in a separate room. I th- think it's wonderful for your sleep sometimes. It just depends, you know. Yeah, really does just depend. Well, I mean, also, like, I think if, for anyone who, like, actually reacted to that, like, being like, oh, my fucking God, they sleep, like, it's the fucking what? death knell. That's a fucking death rattle well, for a relationship. It's like, come on, y'all. Like, no, it isn't. Well, no, it's mm. not. And that's why I think it's, but it's okay to hear, because here's the thing. If all the audience found out after, like, I, or if you guys found out, anyone found out after, like, I didn't say it, they'd be like, oh, now you're like, why are you keeping it a secret kind of thing? That's why I'm like right. telling my friends so that when when they 
You know what I mean? So it's like so so that they don't find out later and they're like, I didn't realize you guys have been sleeping in separate. But like that is not yeah. about that. It's like, no, no, Did this you is like here. Right. I know. I'm getting very warm even to some it's like a pro sleep move, you know? It's right, just right, about right. sleep. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. like that's not there's not the real like for me, I get into bed like the second I'm about to sleep. Like I'm not one of those people who hangs out in bed and does a ton of shit. Yeah. So it's not like that's really not a venue where like my relationship with Her Majesty is like we're making like dreams and memories and shit like that. It's more just like, yeah, here's a place I sleep. Then exactly. The rest of the that house. Is for sleep. The, the problem is, is that I think also it's a little bit of a flex. It's like saying you have like seven kids or whatever or like sleeping in separate beds or separate rooms. It's like you guys have two rooms. Like who has the luxury right. to do that? You know, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's called the timeout bedroom. Yeah, exactly. But, you know. <laughs> It's uh, it's good. My my cat's still pissed. She's been peeing all over the place. Luckily, Matt does not oh. pee all over the place uh, to protest. So, but the, the wow. kitty yeah. kitty And does. that is a flex also, that you have a husband who doesn't pee all over the place. That, Isn't that it, was, though? Yeah. 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 Congratulations. Wow. Because, yeah, Jack and I are, like, looking nervously at each other right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, my wife would say the same thing right now. I do not she pee in the linen closet. I don't pee in the linen closet. <laughs> yep. Uh, and she's very proud of me for that. Yeah, we're going to Dave and Buster's later to celebrate. I've been about that. <laughs> Would you she like said, to go to Dave and Buster's, babe? She said, I can play whatever I want. Yeah, I can play the Jurassic Park game. I Halo for like five hours in a row. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> in the arcade? Yeah, dude, Halo. That's that's the big game. Yeah, you can play that there? Yeah, you can play Halo now. And, and like it's they've got like this giant like widescreen experience. My, it's oh, multi- they do have that okay. big shooter game. You're right. Yeah. You play that with your kids? I don't play it, but my uh 7-year-old will play it until I like drag him away because he is suffering from malnutrition. Like he, <laughs> <laughs> he will just play it's like that withering shit. away. Yeah. Like yeah. Oh uh, shit. Oh man. I just imagine a seven-year-old with like a beard, a very long beard. Yeah, <laughs> wispy though, so wispy, but so it's long. good though because I always know where he is. You know, yeah. just Plus follow the trail of yeah. the long beard. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're gonna take a quick break. We're gonna come back and we're gonna check in with our good friends at Exxon, who we can trust to solve this climate thing. NBD. We'll be right back. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This episode is brought to you by Alienware. During Dell Tech Fest, score game-changing innovations with limited-time deals on select next-gen Alienware gaming tech. 
New dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the Alienware M18 laptop, powered by an Intel Core i9 processor featuring awe-inspiring visuals, liquid cooling, three-dimensional audio with Dolby Atmos, and impressive overclocking potential. Plus, build your dream setup with great deals on select gaming monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop online at Alienware.com deals, You'll have access to leading-edge gaming technology to conquer the competition and free shipping on everything. Amazing prices await you for a limited time only at Alienware.com deals. That's Alienware.com deals. The future of customer experience is here, and it's faster and better than ever before. It's time to introduce your business or organization to Nice CX-1, the world's most complete customer experience cloud platform. CX-1 is the ultimate all-in-one solution to turbocharge your CX results so you can say goodbye to long wait times and frustrated customers. With CX-1, you can achieve faster customer resolutions with every interaction, all thanks to the power of one complete cloud platform. It's now easier than ever for organizations of all sizes around the globe to create extraordinary customer experiences, all while hitting those key business metrics. Whether you're a startup or an established enterprise, Nice CX-1 has everything you need to engage customers, deliver smart self-service, and optimize agent-assisted service. When you choose Nice, you get unlimited cloud scalability and flexibility. So visit nice.com today and take your customers and business into the future. That's nice.com. And we're back. We're back. And, and it's frenum, frenum, not frenulum, just for the record. Frenum. We knew that, and we knew that. That's and right. And we knew that. And we knew that. And we knew that all along. And it was a test for y'all. Yes. So, and you passed. Completely knew that. Well so done. Well you done. passed. Congratulations. Yeah. As we all know, Elon Musk has repeatedly uh, amplified anti-Semitic conspiracy theories on Twitter, allows hate speech to proliferate all over the face of his social media platform mm -hmm. with some Nazi-loving accounts even earning money through its ad revenue-sharing program. Wow. So in order to save face, he instituted some serious new policies oh. to kind of clamp down on... No, wait, I'm sorry. Uh, no. no, that's incorrect. No, he traveled to Auschwitz for a nakedly self-serving publicity stunt. That's oh. what he did. My bad. Okay, 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 okay. Right. yeah. I was shocked, too. Yeah, I was yeah. like, he, he didn't change he anything did something? of, of no. substance about how he operates. You see, no, wouldn't no, it be no, nice if Elon wasn't so on brand? Right. Right. Would uh, be. But would then be. he wouldn't be Elon Musk. No. <laughs> <laughs> so beginning on Monday of this week, he participated in a two-day conference themed around combating anti-Semitism hosted by the European Jewish Association, and predictably, it was a complete shit show. Mm -hmm. He got a private tour of Auschwitz along with Ben Shapiro, who was also at the conference and like later interviewed him and just lobbed him a bunch of softballs that didn't raise any of uh, his history. Wow. That's even disrespect to a softball. <laughs> Meatballs. They were like yeah, cotton candy nerf. dreams in the shape <laughs> of a sphere, yes. basically. And he had a tennis racket to just like that. I mean, beyond that, quote unquote, interview where they're like, because you would have thought any serious examination of anti-Semitism dealing with the person who's running Twitter, you'd be like, and also in our next segment called This You? 
here's some of the posts that you have been putting up for the last couple of years. Really would like to talk about that, but it was not the case. You've been putting up, uh, retweeting, liking, uh, retweeting with comment, being like, this is weird. Interesting. Huh? About like anti-Semitic conspiracy theories. Yeah. He also brought his three-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? The, so the, you know, the website for the Auschwitz Memorial says it is not recommended that children under 14 visit the memorial, which seems like one of those things that absolutely goes without saying, but I guess needs to be said. But you see it and you're like, yeah, no, of course, of course. Uh, he brought his three-year-old and was like giving him shoulder rides like it was fucking the circus. Oh, wow. Is it the daughter? How Wait, is Shang-Chi-X-E-12 or whatever that name is? Uh, that's That's his son or daughter? That's the sun, according to sources uh, who I'm looking at. Okay, right here. how do we Deseret? Do we have a what? What are we? What What are we calling? How do we pronounce that jumble of? No, I think you just nailed it. Shay, 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 <laughs> you nailed it so shay, hard shay. that I'm not even going to attempt to reproduce. Yeah, Shay Shay. Yeah. It's Shay Shay. Okay, Shay Shay. Shay Shay. Yeah, yeah. But uh, right. yeah. So after the tour, he sat down for an interview with Ben Shapiro, and Shapiro just didn't in no way mentioned his history of anti-Semitism. The talk even opened with a video produced by uh, the European Jewish Association that imagined what the Holocaust would have been like if social media and specifically X had existed at the time. Uh, And ended by posing the question, if we had had X in 1939, how many lives could have been saved? We had X in 1939? I mean, what? if they're talking about like ecstasy, like Molly, yeah, that yeah, might have maybe, helped. yeah, rather than like meth. Yeah, for the they're Vermont. mainly on meth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, what? they're mainly on like very rudimentary meth, and I feel like generally people are less likely to commit mass genocide what? when on Molly. They're on MDMA rather yes. than rudimentary meth. But also, yeah. like Twitter is stoking Nazism now. Yeah, or X, yes. I should say. Oh, you noticed that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I'm like, come oh, on. What is- yeah. Shit. Uh, I guess we didn't really think about that. Well, but did they answer the question? How many lives would have been saved? Oh, wow. Absolutely unuseful question. Useless question. They implied they implied an answer. They had in one of the videos, like fake tweets, they had an official account posting about Auschwitz's thriving inhabitants only to have that claim debunked by X's community notes. That is so fucking so, grim. Are this these doctored yeah. tweets from at Auschwitz camp official? Like, what? Yeah. This is such a grim thought experiment. Then I'm like, who does this fucking benefit? I mean, it's just really just like creating more wow. cover for X, which is a legitimate... Uh, I mean, at this point, 4chan, 8chan, and now X or whatever we want to call this thing. It's just like a terrible, it's a cesspit. But yeah, community notes would have come through and been like, um, yeah, actually, this is, this is actually the site of untold horror. Is that what they're saying? Because the community notes right now, yeah. I feel like half the community notes are just being like, this is from a dropship company and you can get this product for much cheaper on another outlet. For like this consumer good. I feel like that's the most community notes I see recently. He literally claimed, this is a quote, if there had been social media, it would have been impossible for the Nazis to hide. What? (laughs) Elon Musk said that. 
Like, try to imagine literally any other CEO making that argument about their product. Like, if the head of PepsiCo was just like, you know, I think Hitler would have had a hard time rising to power with the refreshing taste of Mountain Dew's Baja Blast. Okay, well, Jack, let's not, let's not. Just saying. Let's, that may, but let's, let's, let's create a space where that is possible, though. Hmm. You know, maybe Baja Blast may. <laughs> in, a, in a Stanley a Cup. A bad example, because that's probably true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's a bad example, bad example, bad example, yeah, yeah. bad example. The, yeah, just the wild ass shit. If th- it would have been impossible to hide, like, well, right now, they're not even hiding on your website. They're, like, fucking right. out in full force. So I don't even understand that. Or is Being he trying helped. to say that, like, X also because of, like, sort of, like, open source intelligence people who like kind of begin to like identify who Nazis are. Are you siding with those people who actually do try and drag Nazis out into the sunlight? Like that's what's so right. wild. I'm like, what version of Twitter are you celebrating? Exactly. This is wild yeah. to me also because like, you know, everything that's going on right now in terms of just like talking about genocide in Israel is anti-Semitic. Right. But right. Elon Musk <laughs> having this conversation where he just like waxes poetic right while he stokes anti-semitism on his platform it's such a weird thing because i know like revenue from it right and i know that people like at the adl were really upset with the leadership there because on one hand they're like we they've called out elon musk's anti-semitism and then the other hand be like they're a great partner in the fight against anti-semitism and it's like a very it's just like it's really, really inconsistent, and yeah, it it, it you begin to wonder like, because I because you know that there's like this whole thing right where the Israeli government is like we're, we've completely lost the digital battlefield in terms wow. of like sentiment on social media, and like there's right. now like a real concerted effort to really address that because they're like I don't know what happened like on the internet like we so they may see. Like having the power of Twitter, harnessing the power of Twitter or Elon's desire to try and like, you know, whitewash his anti-Semitism away as a as like a a potent tool to begin like battling that messaging. Because Mm. you also have a lot of like these accounts that are like the apparent that are like that are they're like there's like one called at defund Israel now or something like that, that apparently Elon Musk like actually is the one who's like, okay, I'm going to give you that like silver or gold blue like badge or whatever that apparently he has to have like a say in verifying. And that account is like basically doing all this stuff to be like Hitler's talked about so like poorly. But meanwhile, there's a real genocide happening that Jews are doing. And you're like, what is this content? Oh, wow. also? oh my God. So it's like, Jesus. he's like he's like playing every single angle. And I think cynical people are saying that accounts like that we're not cynical, but like the cynical read on promoting account like that is to just tie any stance that is anti-apartheid or genocide as being part and parcel of like full blown Nazi stuff. Like right. ah. full blown anti-Semitism. Yeah, to completely yeah. tie that those two ideas together. So they're like inextricable. So then like the shorthand for people to be like, oh, you're saying that that means you're like actually a Nazi. Yeah. See? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just to I mean, may- maybe this doesn't need to be said, but X, like e- even if there magically was like a social media platform at the time. Jewish citizens wouldn't uh, just be able to leave Germany after seeing some tweets because the Nazis 
revoked their right to free movement long before the death camps were built. And also, much of the world did know about what the Nazis were doing, but turned a blind eye, which I think is important to keep in mind at this time, because that feels like what we're going through right now is a lot of the world just kind of turning a blind eye and just being like, well, that's not really my problem, is it? Yeah. Well, it's weird, too, because the social media has allowed more people to sort of engage with, like, engage with the topic while governments, for sure, it's like, it's that's why they feel like there's such a tension existing in many countries where people are like, I'm sorry, what are we, what's our part in this as a nation? I, I yeah. Can we do something about that? And like, right. oh, you saw that? <laughs> uh, we were just hoping to, like, let that pass until there's some other global controversy that can kind of keep this thing moving but yeah like just to to say like it it's just the tweets would have changed everything is just disingenuous <laughs> and just makes God, like we, it's an utter mockery of like everything that's happening because right now i feel like like while people or like a lot of media is unable to really contend with what's happening especially in gaza and the west bank now it's like now it's more like everyone's being like what well, did you see what hillary clinton had to say about greta gerwig and margot robbie uh, you know, not getting snubbed <laughs> right. and like that's getting t- it's just we're we're in a bizarre upside down world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. But I mean, he did make kind of an airtight case that he can't be doing any, anything that would be confused with anti-Semitism because he said that uh, he has Jewish friends. Oh, oh no. So, oh, yeah. Then that that. OK. No, uh, actually. Two thirds of my friends are Jewish. I'm like uh, Jewish by association. <laughs> so, Yo, problem. He said so. I'm asp. He said I'm asp. That full quote is I'm. Uh, then he said I'm aspirationally Jewish. Yeah, <laughs> dude, you are out here sp- like retweeting that kind of stuff, where you're saying like it's that like fake ass, non, not real Voltaire quote about being like you should be worried of like it's to, to the effect of like you have to think about the people you are not allowed to criticize in a society. And like, that's right. where, you know, where yeah. the power lies. But that's really oh, just boy. comes from an anti-Semitic fucking creep. Uh, but they're like, that was actually yeah. Voltaire. Like you're doing that kind uh, of as shit. Voltaire once said, and then quoting a straight up like yeah. 4chan Nazi. Yeah, you're like, uh, <laughs> that was from a Reinhard yeah. Heydrich speech that he gave to the book. Okay, whatever. Damn. Sure. But despite his uh, oddly specific fraction of Jewish friends and... Uh, <laughs> Calculated photo ops. Uh, X still not solving its anti-Semitism problem. Several anti-Semitic posts on X, which have been identified as anti-Semitic, moderators have refused to delete, claiming that they do not violate the platform's rules. So they've been reviewed and not deleted. There's been a spike in anti-Semitic posts in the country that Musk just visited in Poland because of an incident in December in which a far-right MP used a fire extinguisher to snuff out a menorah during Hanukkah, which was a major oh news story and inspired a slew of white supremacist memes. And they're just like, yeah, I mean, what what are we going to do? It's, you know, so they they're just very selective in where they care about this. That's why it's such a it's so this is so fucking dangerous to play yeah. around with what is hate or what is not hate speech. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yes. it's completely. It, well, mm-hmm. it's going to lose meaning because it's if it's it if, has it, almost. Uh, yeah. Like to the point where like it's it's fly, like I don't it really it really blows my mind because I do not see how beginning to weaponize anti-Semitism in like a very cynical way makes anyone safe. 
and it's just used to sort of like stop no. any kind of discussion or debate or dissent or whatever. But meanwhile, you have somebody who is so open about like what their like their philosophical view is supposedly be like the standard bearer for the fight against it. It's just like, whew. what on earth? Yeah, it's just it, it, it just for me, it just like it, I only see this getting worse, like to begin to just to fuck around like this constantly. But again, I think yeah. like there's clearly there's clearly been this thing of like online the sentiment, whether there's like young people or whatever it is to blame people's just general disgust for what is happening or them being completely taken aback by the violence that's happening uh, against innocent people. And I, I don't know, I'm, I'm just like, <laughs> well, and th this is the problem with like the FCC not being on top of this shit. Right. Right. And this is why I just want to bring us back again to the fact that authenticity sucks. <laughs> We don't need to hear about these like hate filled assholes and their anti-Semitic bullshit. Like they don't get to have this much voice and presence and yeah. energy like we are supposed to censor shit like that, you know, or is, yes. is it censure, you know, or both like it's that's not OK. And yeah. you don't get to just like walk around. And in fact, Half the reason why we're having to deal with this all again and again and again is because X isn't on top of regulating it in as well as other media platforms. Yeah, that's why I'm like, yeah, yeah I, I've I remember in the beginning that like it felt like the EU was really being like, yo, you need to fucking answer for the kinds of garbage that's on this website, because like we see that as like a threat to our like stability here. But I'm not sure like where that's headed. And yeah, I don't know. Again, I mean, I understand why the U.S. especially doesn't have a reckoning with hate speech because it's it's so such part and parcel of the culture that they there's no way like that we could begin to do that and have people come out of the, the woodwork and be like, it's all it's all of our free speech. Not to saying that I mean, people how need could to be we possibly we can't even get gun control together. Yeah, right. Exactly. They're like, right. man, we can't even control objects like that. We could easily <laughs> yeah, uh, control yeah, like words. Ah, you got us. Man. We can't even fucking. Uh, There's no regulation. Yeah. And yeah, like, I don't know. I mean, uh, the FCC obviously is dealing with stuff that's like broadcasted. So I don't know who, you know, obviously right. is, is the real regulator there. But I mean, it's just it, we thought that maybe the advertiser exodus would do something. But it just seems like now we're just watching it fall apart. But it's like watching like a star collapse on itself. Mm. And then it's probably going to end in something really fucking gross. What I'm saying, Miles, is yeah. I don't know why they don't let me do it. Let you be <laughs> the in charge ass kicker on Twitter. Yeah, I would be really good at it. <laughs> Just... You don't get to play here anymore. Yeah. And that is the banana phone's final word. Click. Ring, ring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, 
sports, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This episode is brought to you by Alienware. During Dell Tech Fest, score game-changing innovations with limited-time deals on select next-gen Alienware gaming tech. New dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the Alienware M18 laptop, powered by an Intel Core i9 processor featuring awe-inspiring visuals, liquid cooling, three-dimensional audio with Dolby Atmos, and impressive overclocking potential. Plus, build your dream setup with great deals on select gaming monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop online at Alienware.com deals, You'll have access to leading-edge gaming technology to conquer the competition and free shipping on everything. Amazing prices await you for a limited time only at Alienware.com deals. That's Alienware.com deals. The future of customer experience is here, and it's faster and better than ever before. It's time to introduce your business or organization to Nice CX1, the world's most complete customer experience cloud platform. CX-1 is the ultimate all-in-one solution to turbocharge your CX results so you can say goodbye to long wait times and frustrated customers. With CX-1, you can achieve faster customer resolutions with every interaction, all thanks to the power of one complete cloud platform. It's now easier than ever for organizations of all sizes around the globe to create extraordinary customer experiences, all while hitting those key business metrics. Whether you're a startup or an established enterprise, Nice CX-1 has everything you need to engage customers, deliver smart self-service, and optimize agent-assisted service. When you choose Nice, you get unlimited cloud scalability and flexibility. So visit nice.com today and take your customers and business into the future. That's nice.com. And we're back. We're back. And one of the things that your new book, Dr. McInerney, you talk about is what is good technology and is it possible? And I feel like I'm so used to this hyper capitalism paradigm that I don't think we can have technology without having like loss of jobs and free will. But I don't know. They, I, I've seen this like recent reappraisal of like the Luddite movement, which is just a phrase that I grew up using to be like anybody who didn't want to use a computer didn't you know was slightly resistant to technology technological progress and now people are like pointing out no they didn't just want to destroy all machines they were focused on the ones that took jobs and led to wage losses but we turned them into like old man screaming at cloud because of our paradigm of like yeah but that's counter progress that's unrealistic like so what is my closed off capitalist mind missing out on when I think about like the direction that technology can take? Like what, what are the good things that aren't just like basically AI being McKinsey? <laughs> yeah, no, no. I mean, first, I do love this reappraisal of the Luddist movement. I know Brian Merchant has a book out called Blood in the Machine, which is like specifically trying to reframe the Luddites, this movement against automation in the UK as the origins of the revolution against big tech. 
And I do love this because I do think the Luddites have been unfairly maligned as these yeah. tech haters. But yeah, second, you know, so myself and my work wife, uh, Dr. Eleanor Drage, uh, co-edited this book called The Good Robot, which is the same as our podcast, on this like provocative question. And we mean it very much as like a suggestion or an idea, not like an inevitability that technology, you know, maybe can be good. Um, in a lot of spaces, that definitely doesn't sound like a particularly radical idea, particularly in the like tech hype spaces we've discussed. But like for people like us who spend our day to day looking at these really awful effects at technology, like either because they've been designed to be really awful, like predictive policing tools, or because they're being exploited and used in like really harmful ways, like the way that technology is used to perpetrate gender-based violence, it can be really easy to be unable to see any kind of positive possibilities for a lot of these new technologies. But while I definitely, you know, think that there's a real place for just the total refusal of people like the Luddites or the neo-Luddite movement, which is kind of trying to bring back a lot of these ideas, we wanted to challenge like ourselves and all the guests we have in our podcasts to say like, you know, what does what would it mean for technology to be good? And so for us, that's feminist and pro-justice and informed by all these different kinds of ideas about equality and fairness. And also, what would that look like sort of grounded in our everyday lives? So for me, for example, a lot of thinking about good technology is trying to reclaim technologies that we might not think of as being very like high tech, often because they've been associated with women. So like I knit and I have a pair of knitting needles on the table next to me. And knitting is often not understood as being like a very high tech practice. But uh, in the 1980s, when people were trying to get more girls and women back into computer science, uh, there was this idea that if you can knit, you can code, because if you can read a knitting pattern, then you can use a coding program. Like, And so sometimes now at computer science conferences, you'll see people put a knitting pattern up on the screen and they'll say, what coding language is this? And then usually only one or two people, often one of the few female attendees will say, oh, that's a knitting pattern, because they're the only ones that can understand that kind of code. So I think there's something really beautiful in like reclaiming those particular kinds of technologies that have been maybe excluded from the way we talk about tech. On you know, my, again, work wife who co-edited this book, well, she edited most of it actually, so who really did the, the heavy lifting on this book, Eleanor talks about the whisk as her example of a good technology. And she says she loves the way it looks. She likes how she can use it in all these different ways. And she says, you know, she's sure there's ways that you can misuse this, but, you know, she's, it's something that just like makes her life better and it's designed well in a very simple way. I unfortunately have already undermined this good technology for her because I then told her about when I was about 14, my school went to a trip uh, at the Technology Museum in Auckland. It's called Motet. If you're from New Zealand, everyone in Auckland's been to this museum because there's not that much to do in Auckland <laughs> uh, for a school trip. Uh, and then one of the girls in my class wound the hair of another girl into like an antique egg beater. Then they couldn't get her out. <laughs> she got stuck. And so, oh, no. you know, children can make all technologies bad. But apart from that, you know, I think like trying to find these like little examples of technology that aren't about the kind of like big hype of AI, but maybe bring us back into the ways that we use technology to reshape our worlds and make things a bit better is what I like to do with this question. Nice. Is When you think of like, you know, I, I think the, the one version is like, well, this generative AI, like it democratizes certain things. And I think, well, on one hand, it may allow people access to like create things that they haven't before. It also makes other like you're saying, it's the use of it that makes things uh, that sort of ultimately determines whether or not a technology is good or, or you know, used in a positive or negative way. Is there 
like when you look at all of like for all the people that are preaching and proclaiming about how AI is opening the door to something new, what like as it relates to sort of these large language models, what are the ways that that can't like, is that more about a use case or we need to lean more into the regulations to make sure that AI isn't wielded by nefarious powers? Like, how do you look at that specific technology and think, okay, while there is definitely like a lot of biased or weird uses of it, like there's also another way to look at this and not just kind of like lean into the Skynet version. Yeah, I mean, I would take this in a lot of different ways. Like my first and sort of most important route in is I would say who makes these models and who has control over them and who can afford to. Because, you know, one of the big changes I think that's happened in the last few years is that language models have gone from much smaller models that maybe like one researcher with a reasonable budget could train themselves in a lab to being these absolutely huge models that you need a massive amount of energy, a massive amount of data, and a massive amount of money to create. And so what that means is that companies with a first mover advantage like Google, like OpenAI, are the ones who can afford to make these models. And I think increasingly, it's going to be harder and harder as the models get bigger for small firms to enter that market. So what we end up with then is a monopoly. And I think we're starting to see some of the effects of that monopoly right now, when you have a few big tech firms kind of having a hand on like most of the most powerful and effective models. And so I think like, even though people say, oh, this is going to democratize AI because everyone can generate text with these models. It's like, yes, but you know, very few people are profiting from it. And also, you know, I think um, very few people then have control as well over how long we're able to use those models for one day. Will they just all be turned off or will they be shifted in a way? You know, so I think there's still kind of a concentration of control. Yeah. And I think second, like you mentioned kind of biases and like weird stuff in the models, super important, like large language models are trained on data scraped from the internet. The internet can be not the best place. As we all know, it can be right for like all kinds of information. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also full of a lot of exclusions. So like, for example, again, when I was working, uh, talking to these data scientists and engineers at this big tech firm, would ask things like, oh, well, where do you pull your training data from? And they'd say uh, Wikipedia, for example. And, you know, would say, oh, but like Wikipedia is not a very equitable place. Like women are really, really vastly underrepresented on Wikipedia pages, both in terms of who writes them and also in terms of who gets Wikipedia pages written about them. So the physicist Jess Wade here in the UK has had this long running project where she just adds uh, a a woman to Wikipedia like every day. And she's done that, I think, now for like years. But it kind of just shows like how inequitable, though, that distribution is. If you're training a model on data from Wikipedia, implicitly, you might not be trying to do this in any way. Like you're also training that model to believe in a world where, say, like women make up 20 percent of the population, not 50 percent plus. So there's a lot of like biases and harms that come just from exclusion. Another example of this is, you know, I have a good friend who is a linguist and something she talks about is communities that don't have written languages are already automatically just not going to be able to partake in whatever benefits might come from large language models, whether that's signed languages or languages that are only oral. And so, you know, I think there's just a lot of different ways that even beyond these kind of immediate harms of like the AI has produced something that we think is really offensive or gross, that we could see the use of large language models maybe creating further inequities. Now, a lot of the AI like promise, like the developments that are being promised, 
so even at Davos, like this past Davos, this past which I Davos. had to miss, unfortunately, <laughs> and I hate to miss Davos because I learned so much there. But you've been to four Davai, haven't you? Davai. <laughs> <laughs> My fourth Davai was the best, man. Yeah, we yeah. all did Molly and just had a cuddle puddle. But Sam Altman, I don't know if he's like consciously scaling back people's expectations, but he was like, Soon, you might just be able to say, what are my most important emails today and have AI summarize them? I was just like, all right. Like, doesn't like <laughs> Outlook already have an offer, like offer a shitty version of that already? So it's just, like, it just feels like the the versions of AI that I'm hearing, like there, there's this older New Yorker article that was like, I, I'm not that worried about AI. I think it's from like the kill us all perspective. I think it's going to be like a little McKinsey in everyone's pocket. Like it's going to be this like economic optimization tool that like everybody has access to. And that's going to just make everything shitty and boring. So I, I don't know, like I'm just curious for your thoughts on that. And like if there are examples of just like functionality from AI that actually like capture your imagination where you're like, oh shit, that would be like cool. That's a cool idea of like <laughs> something that would be fun Useful. and, you know, improve people's lives, even if it's just like make their video games better or whatever. Yeah. I mean, maybe the email thing appeals to some people. Personally, I want fewer emails. I don't yeah. want a summary of my emails. I just want my inbox to quietly shut down between the hours of like 5 p.m. to like 10 a.m. every right. day and just yeah. be like, I'm email free. And then the writer Ian Bogost, I think, has this idea of hyperemployment, which is like the technologies that say they're going to make our lives easier and more stress-free actually make our lives much busier. And we now waste a lot more time. So he talks about emails as a way of, you know, saying like, oh, we're going to have far fewer meetings and we're going to like have to spend less time like sending each other letters or whatever. Sorry, I'm from the post-internet generation but then (laughs) now we spend like so much time like answering emails and I think AI feels a bit like this like when people say like AI is going to save you so much time I'm like you are not a teacher and educator because the amount of time we have wasted this year trying to figure out what to do with AI generated essays like absolutely not um yeah and so I feel like things like the AI email summarize I, I sense could end up in a very similar pile but you know, kind of to come to the more positive side of your question, like what makes me excited? I think a couple of things. Like one is like anything where like AI can genuinely scale up in a way that is not too ecologically damaging or costly, a process that is already going well where the statistics and the procedures in place are working for us because AI is able to scale things. You know, it's not necessarily able to do new things always. Um, so if we know we have a sorting or categorization process that works, that's when I think AI, computer vision, these kinds of systems can be really useful. Where it doesn't work is when you're asking AI to do something that like we don't actually have good processes in place to do. So like when a tool says, oh, I can like tell a candidate's personality from their face. Like, right. no, you can't do that. That's just a straight up phrenology. Please don't do that. But also secondly, like, you know, if we had easy ways of telling if someone's going to be good for a job, like humans would be able to do it already. Like this is a much, much more complicated than you're making it out to be. Um, a second kind of use that I think I find really exciting or makes me like, you know, really happy, I think is particularly tools around trying to kind of like support particular communities as needs in a way that is really driven by that community. So for example, in New Zealand, where I'm from, 
Um, there's been a lot of effort put into different kinds of like AI powered tools and data sovereignty programs around Maori traditions, the Maori language or te reo Maori. And like, I think, you know, this is an example of where like that's been led by Maori people and is in a response to kind of the way that in colonial New Zealand, like te reo Maori was like very deliberately stamped out. And there's been a huge movement to try and kind of um, protect and revive the language. Um, and I think it's like when you have projects like this, that makes me a bit more hopeful about the way that AI and machine learning could be used to, you know, promote these pro-justice projects. Uh, but, you know, I think those projects are always have to exist in a little bit of tension with like big tech. Uh, and we've seen this like with other organizations, for example, like Masakana, which is an amazing grassroots organization, which aims to bring the like 4,000 different African languages into uh, natural language processing models or large language models. You know, but I know that these kinds of groups often do struggle with this idea, like, do we commercialize? Because then will, will we be brought into this hyper-capitalist world? Um, do we keep this to ourselves? But yeah, I think it's, it is important sometimes to step back and be like, there are really interesting community projects which are trying to use these techniques and these kinds of knowledge in ways that push back against like the email summarizing bot. Right. Is there a historical precedent? Like I was, I was reading some articles about the competition between the United States and China and how the U.S. is like trying to freeze export of like certain chips to China because they think that will allow China to catch up with them. And it feels like we're there's going to be inevitably an argument where they're like, we need to just go pedal to the floor on AI development because this is the new Manhattan Project. Trust us. You talk a lot about just like this, this alternate possibility of like, what what if we didn't use this technology for hypercapitalism and militarism. Are there examples where, like from history that you're aware of where like technology hasn't been, has successfully been like protected from those sorts of things? Are there any, even if very small examples where people have been able to keep technology like fenced off from that sort of thing? Mm, yeah. No, I mean, this is something that really preoccupies me. I spend a lot of time mapping and tracking with the AI Now Institute, this narrative of an AI arms race between the US and China, and how that story is super damaging, because it can cause this like race to the bottom, and lead to, you know, us trying to develop AI faster and faster, without necessarily trying to make it better or safer. And, you know, I think we've seen some positive movements when it comes to AI regulation recently from like, the U.S.'s commitment or declaration around AI through to um, the Bletchley Declaration in the U.K. Um, and the EU AI Act. But at the same time, you know, I think that this sort of racing narrative like still lurks and is still sometimes used to try and push back against regulatory measures, particularly by people with investments in big tech. But yeah, at the same time, I also think this question of like, can we look to history to find ways to tell different stories about AI, maybe bring about different futures? is something that really interests me. I think the comparison that is most often made between AI and another technology when it comes to like regulation and governance is nuclear and specifically nuclear weapons. Like, and like you mentioned, Manhattan Project, certainly kind of this sort of language of like an Oppenheimer moment when it comes to AI and this kind of idea of being on like the cusp of a new cold war that will be AI driven rather than nuclear weapons driven is a very common media narrative. But something I try to do like with my own research is to try and 
look for and support different kinds of historical analogies that maybe offer maybe less kind of less hawkish futures when it comes to international politics. Um, so, for example, Maya Indira Ganesh, who's a fantastic researcher at the Leverhulme Center where I'm at, looks to like uh, histories of feminist cyber governance in the early 2000s uh, as a way of saying like, actually, we have a lot of precedents for thinking about the ethics of the internet. Why aren't we bringing this into thinking about AI? Or um, Matish Maas, who's a legal researcher, looks at histories of technological restraint. So like, when did we choose not to make a technology, even though we could? because we thought that it actually wouldn't be good for the world and for societies. And so I think, you know, like making sure we have examples outside of nuclear, because while nuclear can be still useful in some ways, like it's only one metaphor and metaphors are inherently limited. They tell us something about the world, but they sure. can't tell us everything. And I think having these alternative historical examples can be really useful for thinking a bit differently. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's just funny because like in the end, it always feels like, thing with potential to create like unforeseen levels of productivity or power. It's like, and then we made it a weapon. Then we like put it in the bomb, you know, <laughs> kind of like, and, and yeah, like we really do have to sort of break out of that thinking. I mean, I wonder precisely because our brains are filled with Skynet and Oppenheimer and the Manhattan project that that's, we're just, we're just in this really weird pattern of always looking at something that has the potential to unlock new levels of something are inherently going to always be like, but how does our, how do our enemies kill us with it? And okay. then we begin to lose the plot there. So yeah, I'm I'm I'm, I'm yeah. Look to these other examples to try and again open my mind to looking at it less of like, and then how they make, and then how they make global domination with that. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think it's either it's like how do we kill someone with it, or as I think the history of like how tech is represented in Hollywood would show us, like. How do we have sex with it? And this is like a very classic <laughs> right. trope in sci-fi, right? It's like you get like a dude in his basement who makes like a sex bot. And I remember um, interviewing Jack Halberstam, who's like this very famous uh, feminist and queer theorist um, with Eleanor on the podcast. And he was talking about the film Ex Machina. Have you seen this? It's from like mm -hmm. 2014. It's like a kind of a kind of an indie film, but it had quite a lot of prestige, I think, success, particularly yeah, yeah, in like tech circles. Well yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And so I remember um, we were talking about Ex Machina and Jack Halverson was saying like, it sort of shows like the limits of the imagination, like particularly like the tech bro imagination that he <laughs> has like all this expertise at his fingertips, all this data. And he basically just makes like sex robots and like, that's yeah, all he right. can really think to do with that. And I think, yeah. you know, to some extent, like we're still a little bit trapped in that imagination, which is why I think like, both like different projects to do with AI, but also different stories about AI are really crucial. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We have to get out of the fuck or fear paradigm. Right. <laughs> that we have with technology. It's gonna do one of the two, man. So uh yeah, we need a, a new way, <laughs> new ways to look I'm at here it. to do two things. Fuck <laughs> something or kill or it fear, because I'm or, scared of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for this week's weekly Zeitgeist. Please like and review the show if you like the show. Uh, it means the world to Miles. He, he needs your validation, folks. Uh, I hope you're having a great weekend, and I will talk to you Monday. Bye.
Guys, customer service is essential to your business success. And for faster, smarter customer experience, you can turbocharge your CX results with CX1, the world's most complete customer experience platform from NICE. It's never been easier for organizations of all sizes around the globe to create extraordinary customer experiences. With the scalability and flexibility of the cloud, you can power up your business goals like never before. So don't get left behind. Find out more today at nice.com. That's nice.com. Hi, it's Jack O'Brien for HealthAid Kombucha. Uh, this bubbly probiotic tea blended with real fruit juice is deliciously thirst quenching. Uh, great for your gut health. HealthAid Kombucha comes in many flavors. Pink Lady Apple, your passion fruit tangerine, uh, ginger lemon is one of my favorites. It's organic, a great alternative to sodas and other sugary drinks. You guys know I'm a big soda fan. Well, what if I told you there was a fizzy drink that instead of making you feel like you were drinking chemicals, it made your tummy feel good? That is Health Aid Kombucha. Look for the brown bottle with an anchor in your local stores. Give it a try today. Makes my dang tum tum feel good. So make Health Aid Kombucha your go to for a healthier, happier you. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today.